This episode of Science Moab was made possible by a STEM action grant from the Society for Science. This is Science Moab, a show exploring the science happening in Southeast Utah and the Colorado Plateau. I'm Christina Young, and today we're speaking with Tara Gatewood. Tara has been the host of Native America Calling, a call-in program to discuss issues specific to Native communities. Through her work engaging in conversation, Tara has seen firsthand the power of stories, communities, and the necessity of a platform for Indigenous voices. Here we speak with her about knowledge sharing and her new role with the International Women's Media Foundation, reporting on missing and murdered Indigenous girls, women, two-spirit, and transgender people. Hinamam Kim Am Herimba. I'm Tara Gatewood, coming to you from Shirhutdui. And if you look on the map, it's listed as Isleta Pueblo. And I'm actually standing right here in the lands of our community. And it's just an honor to be connecting with Science Moab. There are definitely many things that started pointing me to the direction that uh, I'm currently standing. And I think it all just comes from wanting to really pursue truth. And I think journalism, it was just lining up with that. And also understanding the power of our voice and the power of story. From there, I, I took the plunge and, and went 100% into broadcasting. And little did I know that I was going to find such a beautiful home in radio, and especially live radio, because there's so much that can happen when you are just living life out loud and, and, and on air, and then a platform like Native America Calling, where you're doing it with millions of people. I just think that journalism for me is just an extension of, of who I am as an indigenous person and going back to that core value of truth and honesty and our responsibility to those two things. And those are definitely core values for many indigenous people that over the years I've heard uh, extends to many different places. For our audience who's maybe never listened to Native America calling, can you break down some of the, the conversations and topics that have stood out to you in, in your career there? You, you have talked about so many beautiful things, and I encourage everyone to listen to Native America calling and all the issues brought up, but I'd love to hear some that stand out in your mind. In a nutshell, what Native America calling is a place for important dialogue. So Monday through Friday, the phone lines open, People are invited into the circle and these conversations that are connected to Native nations take place. But it also happens with the community, which I think is a really important element of what the program does and the space that it's opening up. Something that I would often tell people when I was booking them for shows and inviting them into our circle to give them a real quick view as to what Native America Calling is is simply anything and everything under the sun, including the sun. And really that is the topic range that has been explored and for decades. I jumped into this position as the program was already rolling and other voices contributed to making it this important space. And so conversations ranging everywhere from our community, cultural things, all the way to pop culture, what's going on uh, in terms of our tribal nations, leadership, 
and even indigenous connections around the planet. So there's just so much that's covered and, and having this wide open range of topics to be able to go into. You can see how the programming has continued for many years and, and will continue on into the future. But I think the big thing to really understand about the importance of what goes on once Native America Calling signs on air is it's really creating a platform for indigenous voices that for so many years and in so many mediums have been left out of the conversation, have been suppressed, or even the knowledge that comes along with our nations that has been changed because of history or the way it was written. Those are some of the things that, that happens in, in that very important and special place. And just knowing that a place to talk about contemporary issues or, or the way that Native people are thinking, feeling, and moving today is really important and, and really unique. And, and I think, you know, just being able to think about this coming through radio, where it also connects to even our traditional communities of, of having oral traditions, where conversations are where history is made, where history is kept, or where history is planned. And so there's just so much that, that does go on. And that is just so valuable. And so many times we don't get to hear that voice. As you can tell, I really like radio and, and its ability. You touched on so many great points in what you were explaining. And, and I want to delve a little bit further into some of them. I'd love to hear more about the necessity of ensuring Indigenous voice in all of these different media platforms. And then also being in journalism, which is you know, historically and, and still currently very dominated by Western white voices, you know, what do you want to see moving forward with that incorporation of Indigenous perspective across the nation and the world? Well, I think for me, my hope goes back to my core values of honesty. Honest reporting happens. Honest storytelling happens deep digging, fact-finding work goes into the background of all of that, then it can go on into the future. And, you know, decades from now, my wish can continue to go forward because that's the core element, I think, of this medium. And for a long time, that's been missing because Native people have not been given certain opportunities in certain positions. I think that's where... A lot of this lies. And for us radio folks, you know, a lot of it is things that we are used to. And so to me, I just see it as more storytellers being empowered. And when we talk about Indigenous voices being heard, there's a lot that goes on with that. That also includes truth coming out and people's voices, when they speak about who they are as Indigenous people, there are many layers. Number one, you are hearing from a voice that has been marginalized. You're hearing from a voice that was told at times that you shouldn't even exist, especially on the lands that your birth line goes to. And a lot of times hearing indigenous people has not been a priority. And so as a journalist, as a storyteller, as an indigenous woman, I understand any time we Indigenous people are telling stories. It is not only for right now, 
It's also for the future and it's also correcting the past. And so when we tell our stories, whether they be heading up the Department of the Interior or whether our story is about composting in a field that our great, great, great grandfather started to till, that range of story is so important because it reveals the emotions and the culture of who we are today as Indigenous people, which of course connects to all the people that came before us, all the people that sacrifice so that we could be here living these lives. And then it also gives you that duty to also think of what you're doing today to make sure generations into the future, they can look back and think of these things as well. So much weaving goes on anytime I think about a voice, our indigenous voice being heard or finally given a space or an indigenous person creating that space so that the voice can resonate out. These are all important things. And I think it just speaks to the resilience of our communities, which right now are so strong. We hear so much negativity. We hear about dark things and there are challenges that exist, but the big story is about the resilience that we have as indigenous people to, to carry on and to stay connected. I hear you talking about, you know, the story of resiliency and, you know, it makes me want to inquire further, you know, what, what stories are you most interested in telling right now? And maybe those are related to your, your new initiative or, or not, but I'd love to hear what stories you're most passionate about sharing in the moment. Well, sure. And I think the resiliency is, is just another form of who we are. And, and I'll say this a lot, and you probably hear me say this in, in, in passing in, in different places, but our resilience is, is really huge. And a lot of times it's reduced down to a couple of things that go with the description of what resiliency is, but it really is something that ties to even words that we use in our indigenous language that talk about the life we're living and the potential life that we can have. For me, there is a lot of times that I will end my day and just kind of do like a review of, okay, whom have I talked to? Uh, Some of the things I've read, some of the things that I'm planning. And you get back to this point where you see the resilience coming through in, in so many ways. This word really opened up more for me recently. I'm a part of a project that has been asked to take a look at ancestral pottery, um, ranging many years back to maybe even more of the contemporary time in Santa Fe. We were asked to take pottery from generations past and just be with this piece of pottery and then just reflect. And so I came across um, a piece that dated many generations back and, and had connections to my own community of Shirhuptui and spent some time with this pot. There was no design on it. It was kind of just like a clear face pot and you could see kind of the fire burns on it. And the shape of this vessel is reminiscent to the type of vessels that we use currently today as Indigenous women to do our work, Indigenous people to do our work, and and carrying, you know, one of the most precious items in existence, water. Looking at this piece of 
history, this gift from generations back, it really made me think and wonder about the life those ancestors were living. A lot of the different things that came about of thinking of the materials that they had to use to put this piece together. And it's quite a large piece, a really large tumbleweed. That's about how big uh, this, this particular piece I'm talking about is. And just thinking of the mastery, the science, the physics that went into creating this piece to just give it its beautiful symmetrical form. And then the science that went into that as well to put this piece through the fire so that it could come out. And then all of the ingenuity that went into it, here I am standing here more than a hundred years later, looking at this piece and seeing how strong it is and seeing how it is standing up. And, and here in front of me, this descendant to think and to wonder about the people who made this. And just knowing that this kind of work went into this piece so that I, a descendant, years later could be touching and holding and thinking about it, goes hand in hand with just our history as indigenous people, that it is like that. The way that we conduct our lives today are there for the future in some kind of form, in some kind of fashion. And so being able to have this kind of conversation with this pottery, by thinking back and wondering about the people who did this, it just reminded me that that much time can pass and still these things continue to exist where I, as a contemporary Indigenous woman, am seeing things that I see in my daily life and things that I do to be a part of my community and know that it extends back. And to keep something like this so fluid and so useful through time, that definitely takes a lot of resiliency. And I think it just made me also wonder, okay, well, doing the math, going backwards of the generations of the people in my own family and thinking about their own story as well. And, and I did a lot of concentration on my great-grandmother, Nana Narvase Pai'i, Evangelisa Tazuni, and thinking about her life and her resiliency and the things that she had to endure through her lifetime, especially being somebody who did not speak English as her first language and really didn't speak much English at all. And thinking about the life that she went through while also raising a family and being a farmer. And you get back to this word resiliency or resilience. And I think for me, I'm, I'm very honored to be able to see those kind of connections and really can't be more thankful from the people who made the sacrifices that they did so that I could know who I am as Shihutui, as Dene. Those kind of things are really a lot of times what we're talking about in, in keeping sacred or why we do so much as indigenous people to make sure opportunities are there for our community to live freely, to live with our culture, to live with our language. All of this is definitely, definitely woven into it. Thank you for painting that as such a beautiful visual story for us. It's, and now, you know, you've turned 
towards a new role in the International Women's Media Foundation. And I'd love to hear about about that new um, that new move for you and what you what do you want to see um, and what you plan to do in this new role. For nearly 16 years, our people have shared their stories with me directly, with the people we have invited to our talking circle on Native America Calling, with the producers who call them as well, and then the conversations that happen, and then the radio stations and the places that carry the program, the work that they do too. And so this network of amazing humans have prepared me for this role in a very, very special way because they've come to me with their truth, because they've shared things that they're living in their communities. Again, I have to give thanks to anyone who has ever contributed to that space because they have prepared me for this role. They have taught me how to be honest, how to be humble, and how to use the importance of our knowledge and acknowledge our knowledge as indigenous people and people who care about our communities, that there's so much that is there and comes from the heart. A little bit about what we are doing. The International Women's Media Foundation is embarking on a news initiative to bring more understanding and support to those who are going to be telling the story, who are going to be reporting and also support to the communities who are all affected and connected to the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, two-spirit. This issue is worth people's time to just understand more about, especially with how much it affects our communities. My role is creating the opportunities for journalists to do better reporting on this. And this is also another layer in bringing the community forward to also voice how much this issue has impacted our communities. And I think something that's really exciting and special about this is trying to make sure that everything that's connected to this issue is considered. And so what I mean by that are there's a lot of layers that are the reason why this issue is manifested. There's a lot of reasons why it is perpetuated. Sometimes that has been missed in telling the story of how much this affects our indigenous communities and the people that we connect to as indigenous people. To be able to be given a platform, to be able to be given an opportunity to say, okay, how can we do this better? How can we learn new ways to bring better understanding forward is the nutshell of, of exactly what we are doing and also giving journalists the tools they need to tell this story properly. In order to do that, people need to understand how much it affects our community. So it's also a space for community members to share how much this has affected them. And many of those stories are people telling of losing loved ones. It's important to take a moment like this to really think forward and really think about intention and really think about making our spaces better. And I'm also talking about making our tribal communities stronger so that, and I'll get back to it, so they too can be resilient. 
it's an exciting time for me, as you can hear, to just be able to think about all of these connections. Well, Tara, I can't thank you enough for sharing your stories and the knowledge that you have gained and your experiences with us. And we will be following closely as you move forward and and sharing information about the initiatives that you're putting together. So thank you so much for your time. Certainly has been my honor and I really appreciate being asked to be a part of this circle and knowing that this conversation is going to be right there with people talking about important things with our environment, with conservation. It really is an honor to be asked to be a part of a community like this. To learn more or listen to other Science Moab episodes, visit sciencemoab.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Science Moab is done in partnership with Utah State University Extension. Our theme music is by Jeremy Spaulding, and the show is produced by Peggy Hodgkins, Christina Young, and KZMU. If you love Science Moab, let us know. Leave a rating on Spotify or a review on iTunes. And consider supporting Science Moab by donating to the podcast at sciencemoab.org. This programming is unique to Moab, Utah, and your support makes it possible.